Welcome to the Parent Guide to Education podcast with today's guest, Elspeth van der Hol. She's here in her guise as a boxing coach and PT, and she's going to talk to us about exercise as therapy for your teens. This was originally broadcast as a live Facebook event. We are here, we're doing this live for a change, which is nice, we've not done this for a while. And we're here with Elspeth to talk exercise as therapy. So I, I feel like this is going to cover a lot of topics and a lot of different bases and things. But let's start from the beginning. Can you maybe give us a quick kind of who you are, what you do, so that people know? So I am Elspeth, as you have just said very well. Most people can't normally pronounce it, but it is Scottish for Elizabeth, if anyone is wondering. Um, I am a boxing coach. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, I actually used to be a photographer for around 15 years, and I trained as a PT over the pandemic um, because exercise has been something that I've used as a tool to help me recover from quite a large amount of trauma in my life and it's something I now help manage my neurodiversities and help coach other people via exercise therapy so that's hopefully the most succinct way I can put it well okay. fabulous yeah I think we're definitely going to cover a lot then <laughs> yeah um so in terms of kind of parents who are watching I think the biggest thing the biggest question we're getting at the moment the biggest pressure that teenagers are facing is this like the run up to exams, all of that stress that comes with it. So I think if you've got any insight as to ways that we can support our teenagers, kind of reduce that stress, that kind of thing, that would be amazing. Just throwing out there very quickly, though, <laughs> if you're watching and you want to pop in a question, if you're listening on the podcast, I'm sorry, it's too late. But if you're <laughs> watching and you want to pop in a question, pop it in the comments and we should see it and we'll see what we can talk about live. But yeah, is there anything we can do to support our teenagers who are getting stressed in the run-up to exams? So one of the things I noticed last year in particular, I worked at a school nearby um, and it was an SEN school and I worked doing boxing coaching with some of the teens that had finished their exams. And what I was doing was the reason why they were struggling so much after they'd finished is because they no longer had any structure and they didn't have anything to work towards. And what I then noticed is that pattern where up until the age of I mean even up until the end of university we're only kind of taught do this thing until this end date and then you do the next thing until the next end date and then you never have anything that you're taught where you don't really have an end goal and so there's always pressure 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 lead up pressure big thing relief so what I noticed that was really helpful was with teaching some of the kids boxing after they'd, I say kids, teens, after they'd finished their exams because they were needing that structure, but it also gave them simultaneously some relief because they weren't having to work towards anything. And I think that's a really important skill to develop because it's something I struggled with coming into adulthood, thinking I'd always had that structure where someone had told me to aim for something. So I think if you can get your kids into something that isn't necessarily something with an end goal, so for example, getting them into a club that is, I don't know, whether it's boxing, whether it's um, jiu-jitsu, whether it's, it doesn't even have to be um, kind of like martial arts related or, or fighting related. It can be something really simple. There's a lot of beginner gymnastics things out there or I don't know, tennis, anything. There's just something where you're not necessarily competing is the key. I think something where you can have something that's just for you, that's not school, it's not friends, it's not family, it's something else. Yeah, mm. I like that. And you're absolutely right about the 
there's always something you you always feel like you have to have a goal and something to aim for and then yeah I, I found so when I left teaching and started running my own business I mean there were a bajillion different goals but they were all kind of not all of them had timelines and so on and there wasn't the structure and it made it really yeah. difficult and it was a very weird transition so yeah yeah we, we also have um, parents talking about sort of students going up to or their teens sorry going up to exams and saying you know they need to do so much revision three hours a night or so, whatever it is uh, and they're giving up clubs they're they're stopping doing and i guess that's the wrong thing to do because it's probably you know it's a therapy doing the exercise. yeah i totally agree and i made that mistake as well when i came to sort of year 10 year 11 it wasn't and it wasn't only for the reason of studying i was a bit of a tearaway at school and I was more interested in smoking and drinking for that towards the end. And so that's how I ended up coming away from fitness because I thought, right, I don't need that in my life. That's not for me. That was something I used to compete at hockey. I used to do this. Don't want that. I want to go and push boundaries and be difficult. And then coming back to things a bit later at university when I was studying again, I did exactly what you just said there, where I abandoned, I, I'd taken hockey back up again, but then I abandoned it because I thought, right, I don't have enough time for this. I've got too many things going on. And then around that time was the first time I got a therapist. And it was also around that time my um, dad was dying in third year of university. So I was having to juggle studying and all of this. And so for me, initially I saw sports clubs, things like that as a luxury. And so they would be the first thing to come off. And my therapists are just, I will always remember this phrasing to think of exercise as a necessity as opposed to a luxury. And then you can't guilt yourself out of it and to schedule it in as if it's a business meeting or a study session. So it's something that fits in and it's you, it's a non-negotiable. Hmm. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. We tend to talk about that with revision plans is if you get your child to plan in their, their own non-negotiables, whether that's sports clubs or just like, I want to watch Love Island this evening, whatever yeah. <laughs> it is, if you don't plan it in and then work your revision around it, you you like you begrudge the revision. Like, I, I really, I should be at hockey right now. I should be doing this. I should be watching that. And and so you're not engaging properly and you're, you're feeling awful about your revision and resentful and it doesn't go in. So, so yeah. Yeah. That's two podcasts on the truck where we talked about Love Island. Uh, (laughs) And it wasn't even me that brought it up. I don't watch it. I'd like to. to I feel like if we didn't digress, then it wouldn't be a podcast about mental health, would it? (laughs) True story. So in terms of kind of going to the other end of the spectrum here, if you've got, maybe like we do, a teenager who, when you mention exercise, goes... um, and that was a disgusted face if you're listening on the podcast. <laughs> uh, and I would rather not, thanks very much. Um, any suggestions for helping them find that thing? Because I was always like that. I, I loved dance and football as a kid. Then got out of both post-university because it wasn't as easy to do. And it kind of it took me a while to find something again that I loved doing enough that I would stick with it. And partly that's because I have... ADHD and my brain doesn't like to stick with things because they get boring quickly but partly it was just going along to a new thing certainly as an adult and I guess as a a teenager if you're a little bit nervous and a little bit anxious going along to a new thing and not knowing if you're going to be any good at it and not feeling like you've got all the kit and all of that stuff and like everyone else knows everybody and you don't 
is there a good way have you got any tips for kind of how can they find their things something that they'll love doing and and be able to build in as their non-negotiable their therapy so I relate to exactly what you just said in the sense that you used to do this thing and then it was just not there and you're kind of like, oh, I don't really do that anymore. Because like I said, I used to play hockey and do bits and pieces when I was younger, but then I was not one to do PE at school. Despite the fact I'm now a coach and I'm really into fitness, up until I was about 26, it was just not on my radar. It was not something I considered. I didn't understand the benefits of it mentally. It wasn't something that I thought, oh, that looks exciting. It looked stressful, awful, really boring, and just not for me. And then when it came down to understanding what could potentially help my mental health, as opposed to what do I want to exercise in, I started to look at it at that route and that's how I came to this so back in I think it was 20 so to give you actually more of a picture of how I've come to this so about 10 years ago 10 years ago last week actually my father passed away and as I said it was in the third year of university and I also ended up homeless and became estranged from my immediate family and ended up going through a pretty rough ride of a couple of years but in that time I uh found I was pretty heftily depressed as you can understand from those life circumstances and in that time I had two choices I could either fall into a deeper pit of despair or I was trying to find absolutely anything and everything and I, I looked into yoga and I'd never done yoga before and I remember emailing the teacher at the time just saying look I've never done this I've got really bad anxiety and depression please can I come and also I'm going to be terrible at this is that okay <laughs> and she was like sure come along it's absolutely fine and so I was only about yeah about 24 at the time and she was first off she was incredible because I'd been able to contact her ahead of time and say this is the situation so firstly that's my biggest advice is if you're going to go to any kind of club any kind of class find a teacher that you feel safe with because from the perspective of both somebody as a member of clubs or or um, gyms and whatever, and also now a coach, there are a lot of coaches out there who can not be for you. And there are also a lot who are wonderful, just so don't be disheartened if the first couple aren't your type of person. So that was my first big thing. The second part of that was going to yoga. I was surrounded by an average demographic of probably people who were about 30 years older than me. And so that, and then I was in an environment where there was no competition. And that's why I really wanted to push that lack of competition, lack of goal into something, because finding something that became a practice and something that was a never ending, just you go to this, you feel your way through it, and then you go home and you don't have the pressure of, oh, I've got to be better next week, or I've got to study for this. So I think that's the first part, but also not everybody's going to like yoga. Then when I moved from the Midlands to London in about 2016, I used, the there was an app, I don't know if it's still an app anymore, but it was an app called Pay As You Gym. And there's a few like it where you don't have to sign up to a gym and commit to it. You can pay for a one-off pass and go and try various classes. So I decided, and like you said, I'm not very good at sticking to one thing because if you give me one thing and then I don't like it, or I get, I just do it incessantly for about a week and then get bored of it. Mm yeah <laughs> so I decided I would try absolutely everything and instead of trying to find something I liked just find all the things I don't like first and 
tick them off and be like, right, I, I'm not a big fan of Tai Chi because the woman scared me in that class. <laughs> and then I was all right at bar, but not really for me. And then eventually I realized that I really enjoyed weightlifting because it, it helped out my yoga practice. And then along the line, boxing came in. And so I think the biggest thing is not to try and necessarily find your thing because that's where the pressure comes in. But also if you are somebody with a brain who wants to do a million things and gets bored very easily as well, the best thing I do now is I have yoga, boxing and weightlifting and I cycle between them. So I'll probably do yoga for a month or so and then I'll get bored again. And then I'll do weightlifting for a bit longer and then I'll get bored again. And then I'll get more back into my boxing. But then instead of feeling like a failure because I've done that hobby and got rid of it entirely, I just start to cycle through them. So then you start to listen to yourself as opposed to then feeling guilty that you've taken up a hobby. It's still there on the back burner for when you want it again. Yeah, I like that. I, that made me think, so Lisa, who is our uh, podcast assistant slash legend, um, mm -hmm. who finds all our fabulous guests, she um, she has a brain very much like mine, I think. And she um, she's a member of a gym because we've had this conversation about how on earth do I find something that's not boring that's exercise <laughs> so she's a member of a gym that does loads of different classes and because she works from home and she can be flexible she just goes to a different class every time and and does the same thing you've said just try stuff out you know if she likes something she might go back if not she's been and done a class and she knows that the the endorphins and and all of the the dopamine that you get from doing all the exercise kicks off her day beautifully and it, it makes the difference but then she doesn't get bored because it's always something new and something that little yeah. bit different yeah and, and I think also kind of resonates with me a little bit because I, I was just saying this morning I went swimming <laughs> didn't want to go I was kind of on the way back from a school run I do it every morning but I just felt I can't be bothered but yeah. I did um but I just felt a bit empty a bit so but I like the buzz I get from I like the fact I've finished I've done 40 minutes of exercise whatever it is but it's like I need something different. Um, so maybe mm -hmm. mixing it up because you know, it's a you know, fitness centre, so they've got classes, etc. Yeah, and there's also things like even if it's something like swimming, say, for example, if you're starting to get bored because you go on your own and you do the same things every time, you can even get somebody, there's thousands of coaches out there who can write you a programme. So, for example, my my partner um, used to swim for professionally and he he doesn't coach or anything, but he wrote his uh, he wrote up one of his friends' uh, programme the other day. So then you'll get sort of time trials of like what, type of stroke you'll do swimming or you'll get certain things so if you are someone that's goal oriented or needs something a bit more exciting you can get programs written up for the same thing you're doing so it makes the same thing you're doing more exciting and different if that's something because I think there's a lot of people like you said who would then be too afraid to go and try different things and I was in that boat once because I'm in crippling anxiety yay so <laughs> um so I think when it comes to that if you found something that you feel safe in but it's but you're but you feel bored of it finding a coach if um especially when it comes to teenagers if they can get a coach involved if people do have that money available that can be a great source of support as well emotionally for a, mm -hmm. a teenager because they've not then they've not it's not then their teachers or their parents they've also got a coach that they can lean on and feel validated and reassured by in a different area of their life, which then takes their mind away from revision and studying. So when you come back to studying, you've realised, oh, I haven't been worried about that for a while. I've been focusing on this other thing. 
Yeah, and uh, there are study benefits to that as well because you've given your brain the space to do all of the the, the filing and the figuring stuff out and you're not overloading it. Just Absolutely. giving it that chance to process makes a really big difference. So that's it's a good thing to do in your breaks is just something active. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just have a, a dance break. Just shut in your room so no one can see. Put some music on loud and dance oh, yeah. like a lunatic. It's surprisingly fun. And even doing that as well, any form of movement, let's say it's like one minute of jogging on the spot, that's going to raise your cortisol levels. And people often look at cortisol as a terrible thing because obviously it's the stress hormone. But if we think about the fact that when we do any form of exercise, if we're in a safe environment, it's creating endorphins as well and dopamine and we're getting all the good stuff alongside it. What's happening is our cortisol levels are rising, but we're learning, we're teaching our bodies that we can actually cope with a higher tolerance of cortisol. So then when we come out and we go into stressful situations outside of these safe environments, we've pre-trained our bodies that, okay, this cortisol, we've been there before. And when we were there before, we were actually doing something we liked. So we're actually, okay, we know we can cope with this. We're not going to fall off that cliff. So mm-hmm. that's another reason people often equate exercise to being good because of the do- endorphins and the dopamine, but they forget, actually, you're also training yourself to cope with stress. Just because it's physical doesn't mean that's not that interchangeable with that emotional stress too. So that's another huge reason to get your kids into it. Yeah. And um, oh, we've got, let's see if I can make this appear on the screen. Goodness only knows. Uh, <laughs> add to broadcast. Let's try that. Oh, it's not going to show up though. Uh, so Hermione says, if you can't read that, uh, perhaps you could plan to go at the same time as a friend every so often for friendship and accountability of going together. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's brilliant. Sense. Just... I think kind of. it, the accountability side of things, it's it's definitely quite powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody's mm. m- not making you go, but you you would let them down by not going and vice versa. It's the it's same yeah. study, same with you. Well, yeah, it's, it's not even necessarily going at the same time. So my daughter and I are both learning Italian on Duolingo. And Amazing. I've got my streak going and it reminds me every so often. It's like, would you like to give Ellie a, a well done or a high five for Aww. getting this many lessons done? Do you need to give her a nudge so she doesn't forget? And... <laughs> And I know that because we're kind of friends on there and we occasionally get messages for each other, that helps keep me going because I know if I stop, she'll notice and she'll probably stop too. So I need that because I'm currently being bullied by the Duolingo owl for leaving my Spanish alone for like 35 days. (laughs) You know, when it's like, where are you? You haven't been back. (laughs) I'm like, please leave me alone. I thought I could be Spanish fluent in two days and I can't. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, you're right. That accountability is key. And I think that's also why I was saying about coaches, because I think friends friends can be really good. And especially with teenagers, if they share that same interest in something, it's such a great bonding experience. And I have I've made I've also simultaneously made a lot of friends through fitness who have become people that share the same ideologies as me and share that same outlook on life in the position I'm in, in terms of, like I said, prior to 26 I wasn't into fitness as much and so a lot of my older friends aren't necessarily fitness people so I've had to go out and find people who will do things with me so sometimes it's quite hard to find so it's great if you've got people who can keep you accountable but if that is that case where some teens if they're already not invested and interested in sport they probably don't have that many friends that are because I feel like it goes one way or the other. You either end up in the sports teams or, you, or you're or you not a sports person. So I think, 
yeah it's it's a really good one you've kind of got multiple options there of the friends for accountability family members and then also yeah the coaches but also there are so many independent sports out there for people who feel too afraid to go and do something with other people and that's also partly why I like boxing because you've got one-on-one with a coach you've got somebody fully invested in you but then when it comes to actually being in a ring which I'm not expecting anybody to make their teenagers fight people by the way um, but when it comes to actually physically being in a ring for me the double support was understanding that I had a, a corner team so I was on my own but I had people backing me so it's yeah so there's a lot of benefits in in multiple different sports of different ways and different routes and I think it's important that when we say exercise a lot of us jump straight away to thinking oh like hit or or doing things in a gym and actually there's a million things you can do well yeah I mean I I did five-a-side football for a while when I was teaching and I was almost always the only female there but it was fine kind of liberating though isn't it you're like hi i've come to join you (laughs) always used to come back a little bit grumpy because some people didn't pass the ball which is why i'm good at tackling because it's the only way you get a ball when you go (laughs) but hey um but i i loved doing that and that was uh, i made friends with people from different departments that i probably wouldn't have spoken to before and and it was a great kind of stress release it was exhausting but it was brilliant i was always bruised from head to toe but you know, it is what it is. You probably and, like uh, boxing. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, and I did karate for a while. And I was going to say that yeah. is something I, any kind of martial art, I mean, if you can avoid the ones that do contact, probably from my point of view, um, because that was a little bit too, too much yep. for me. But I was doing karate. It was non-contact. And it meant not only was I getting exercise and it was quite structured, but it was always slightly different. So there was enough to keep yes. me interested while still being quite a familiar routine. Um, yeah. It also was um, great just for self-confidence. Oh, so I much, yeah. If I'm walking down the street, I'm feeling a lot less nervous than I might possibly have been if it's you know middle of the night because I know I can take care of myself now. And, and that, as a, as a woman, is quite an empowering mm-hmm. feeling. So Oh, absolutely. There was that added bonus as well. And it was just it was really good fun. Yeah. And I think it's interesting you said about the confidence side, because I when I teach boxing, I'm not teaching boxing with the intention of people going to fight. I teach as exercise therapy. And what people don't necessarily understand, unless you've done some form of martial arts or boxing, is that it's a whole body experience and it's a complete mind experience as well. And like you said, you've got these um, rules that can kind of keep you safe, but then you can add your own element to it. So for me, boxing... I understand the rules of boxing because I'm like, okay, cool. We've got like our main six punches. We've got our stance. We've got our defense. We're this way, we're this way, we're this way. And what a lot of people don't tend to understand is that when you throw a punch, it comes from your foot. It doesn't, it's not just throwing a fist. It's all the way from the foot. It turns at the hip. The power comes from your hip. It travels all the way up and through. So unless you're fully in your body and you're activating every part of you and you're mentally in your body, you're not going to connect with it. So it's been an incredibly powerful thing to be able to teach people how to find ownership in themselves. And especially, like you said, with women. So it's there's the the one upside of obviously feeling safer because you're like, cool, I can fight. But then the other side is actually, I feel like I own my own body. And for a long time, especially women, because, and I've noticed in coaching women, 
and this is where it's very relevant to teens when you hit about 13 you sort of go oh well it's a bit embarrassing to run for a bus and now I'm starting to think about who I might be attracted to and who might be I might be attractive to and then as you grow up you get into your 20s you get into the corporate world and you get even smaller and you're straight up and you're yeah either hunched over at a desk or you're sitting bolt upright in a meeting and so you've lost your body to all of these other social social and societal expectations and so when you tap into boxing and especially for women you stand in not a very feminine stance it's not naturally feminine and so you're unpicking and unpeeling all of this societal expectation and i think if i had have had this when i was a teenager it would have been beautiful to find that sense of connection with my brain and my body because i as I said, I've gone through a lot of trauma. I went through childhood trauma and a variety of other awful things that had happened. And so that meant that what I've realized in hindsight is that often when you find people who have either neurodiverse issues or they've had trauma, their brain is disconnected from their body. And so if you can reconnect the two, and the same, this also relates to revision, studying, everything, teenage years, hormones, everything. We can start to understand how we can find those points where, for example, in boxing, you wouldn't stop and say sorry if you threw a punch wrong because you're going to get hit. So it also teaches people you don't always have to stop and apologize for not doing something perfectly. You just get up and carry on. Or you take a moment, you take a breath, you recalibrate and you carry on. And these are all valuable life things that I wasn't aware of until I got older and someone taught me how to do these via a sport. And now in my life I can go, ah, okay, I can cope. If I can do that, I can cope in this. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's the little things like that that genuinely make a massive difference to your mental health. I mean, for me at the moment, it's not it's not so much exercise. It's like I run a choir outside of... Uh, all of this that we do and it's the same principle you know we we don't do solos nobody ever listens and judges your voice you come along you listen to other people and you sing you challenge yourself a little bit with learning new stuff and things but there's not homework or anything along those lines at least not at our choir and (laughs) and you have to be fully in the moment because you have to be aware of what's going on you have to be listening you have to remember what you're doing and so all of those other things that have been running around your brain all day disappear because you can't do both. And, yeah. and it just clears all of that out and gives you some, just some peace, just some me time. And, and it's, it's the same thing as I know I, I got when I was doing karate, for example, just you have to be present because you can't do that while you're trying to figure out what you're going to do for tea the next day. And, did I remember <laughs> that email and all of the other stuff? There's just not enough space in your brain because you are, as you said, in your body. And yeah. it makes a big difference. So, you know, whatever whatever you can find for your child to do that yes. they love doing. Um, but it's also, it's not just find something for your child. If they're doing something, <laughs> then the idea of stopping them doing it or reducing what they're doing once they're into year 9, 10, 11 and beyond is an absolute no-no. They should be encouraging more of it, if anything, just to give them that, that balance so they can probably can be better students. They've got the space in their brain to, to you know, um, just yes. absorb the information while they're doing the exercise, etc. It's time yeah. management stuff. Yeah. yeah, and I think also, um, I guess it's key as well to note that when you're going into years 9 and 10, you're starting to find out who you are as a person 
and independently. And so whilst you might have had a child that has been incredible at cricket for however many years, they might just not enjoy it anymore. So you actually just then need to help them find something new. So in some children, you're going to need to like give them a bit of a nudge because they still do enjoy it. But in some, I think after you've done a few nudges, you've got to sort of think, okay, they actually, this just isn't for them anymore let's see what else there is and again looking at that do they need competitive are they a competitive child that needs to tick that competitive box or are they like me where I don't really have much of a competitive bone in my body despite doing competitive things and I'm just quite happy to be there so and I just needed spaces where I didn't necessarily so hockey I loved but I felt too much pressure because I would I would then not be able to run as fast because I was asthmatic and five foot two and and I loved hitting a ball but being in a team you can't play hockey on your own so you need a team but then you feel a bit left out and a bit like the rubbish one so it's then finding something with a similar energy to it and that's why again boxing is quite nice because it's got that similar vibe it's kind of I mean essentially the theme seems to be I hit things in a lot of sports so <laughs> but <laughs> yeah and I think yeah it's um I definitely think when it comes to teens the other thing I wanted to touch on as well was um it, we very rarely talk about exercise and hormones and that conversation is now coming up a lot more and with our hormone cycle obviously with boys I don't know a huge amount about hormones in terms of being a teenager but as a woman I understand my cycle and so when it comes to exercise and female hormones what can happen is so your first so you, let's say you've got a one to 28 day cycle your first two weeks of that cycle your energy starts to build and starts to lift and you're much stronger and much happier by like day 11 to 14 as you go into ovulation around your day 15 you then start to get more progesterone which then means you start to feel weaker, you start to feel worse, and you need to eat more as well. So you know how people say about how we have cravings and whatnot? It's not actually cravings. Your body just needs more calories because it's doing more things. So there's all these things that we can use to help support teenagers, and in particular teenage girls, through not only exercise, but also around revision. If you can help them understand their cycle, they're going to have more focus, specifically in probably that days three to 15 of their cycle so if you can help them plan their revision within day to th three to 15 they're going to be super focused and then towards the end of their cycle help them back off a little bit because they're going to be tired they're going to be fatigued they're going to be completely zoning out because they've got not enough energy because their body's zapping it all so i think these are also things that are key and not only exercise but revision the two kind of go hand in hand with that focus yeah, I think that's a whole episode on its own, isn't it? We need... something yeah. I had no concept of. However, with exams where you don't get the opportunity on day 15 to say, do you know what, um, I can have a week or yeah. um, In terms of parents supporting and making sure they're you know, properly nourished and properly rested, etc., that's quite a powerful thing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, yeah. we don't talk about it enough at all. No. We don't talk about it well, enough I didn't, I didn't know at either, either end of the spectrum, you know, when they're teenagers and they're just starting this stuff or when they're getting towards perimenopause and menopause and, and all the changes that the joyful hormones bring. Oh, then, yeah. <laughs> like, mm, uh, it's something that I think, I think I feel another podcast that, episode. That, that, is, that is a whole thing, point, yeah. it, when you understand it, you're right, it makes such yeah. a difference. It's changed my life. Yeah. You don't beat yourself up. 
yep. on those days where you're like, I can't, I just can't do it. I just want to stay in bed and eat chocolate. Do you know yep. what? Yeah. Do, right. yeah. And I think if we can teach, if I had a parent that understood that, I mean, and to fill the picture in a little bit more, I was diagnosed at the end of last year with endometriosis, adenomyosis and PCOS. And I also have premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And to explain what those things are, endometriosis is where the tissue of your uh, womb lining essentially grows outside of the body and causes the body to bleed in areas where the blood can't leave. So you end up with the only option is surgery, which I had in January to remove that. You can't um, operate on adenomyosis because it's the same tissue, but inside the womb and PCOS is your polycystic ovaries. Premenstrual dysphoric disorder is linked to that. It's like PMS, which is your premenstrual syndrome, which is where your stress comes in that one week before the first day of your cycle. Um, but and what I've looked into a lot with that is there are certain supplements that can help. So, for example, B6 has been incredible for helping support my hormones in those last couple of weeks of the cycle. So when it comes to, again, supporting teenage girls through, like you said, you can't choose when your exams are going to be. But if you can help your kids learn how, where their hormones are going to be, help them understand themselves. And if they're an anxious child, maybe suddenly you've realised their anxiety is actually completely linked to their hormone cycle. So then they stop feeling guilty. They stop feeling confused why they're anxious and they can go, oh, it's my hormones. So, and that then takes the pressure off. And like you said, you can then have those guilt-free days of actually, I can't revise today. Maybe I'm going to make sure I prioritize my revision when I'm on a good hormone day. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, it's educating all of us around that. And like you said, it's a whole other episode, but this is also highly linked to exercise as well, because if you, if anybody listening weight lifts, you will have known that throughout the month, you will go in one day, you're really strong. And then the next, you go in two weeks later and you're like, why can I only lift half the amount? And it's quite literally because your body is doing so much else. You're weaker and your hormones have changed. So hopefully mm. that helps. <laughs> yeah, it's wow. um, it's crazy the difference that it can make just within a couple of weeks. And uh, yep. yeah, it's uh, a whole it's, kind it's, of worms. Yeah, it's slightly odd that schools will teach you geography and history <laughs> and English all day long, but they probably won't teach you hormones and how to nope. and I mean, it's actually a, very it's a, simple <laughs> it's a phse thing i guess but obviously within that class there's boys and therefore it, and then they just giggle yeah. Mm. yeah but they'd probably benefit from it because i know that my partner tracks my cycle so he knows when to stay away from me <laughs> yeah. it's it makes such a difference and i i mean mine always just used to surprise me every month because i never really thought about it and then i'd just be like oh yeah well I look but, back at my teenage years and I I see periods of time no pun intended where I would have had complete meltdowns at school and I would have been it, I had almost the whole of year 10 is a complete blackout blur because I was severely depressed and I look back and I think hmm there were patterns with hormones and if somebody if my parent had come along and said I can see this, but at the time I don't have the vocabulary for it because I don't understand it and I didn't know that was a thing. So, mm. but yeah, it's, that's... it's so much easier now because like, I have the, I think it's called the Flow app and it's a free yes. app and you just go, yep, started today and it will then map it out and it will tell you whether they're normal, whether, you know, what your cycle yeah. length works out at. You can work out then you know, how, how are my hormones behaving at the moment? And it's it's quite empowering to know what's yes. going on because it does have such an impact on on the female body that 
yeah it, it, it's daft almost not to be tracking it and understanding how how it makes a difference in your life but yeah we tend not to <laughs> no I'm, I'm, and I think I think the theme here with all of this with exercise with revision with hormones all of it, it that the underlying theme is very much if we can start to build a bigger picture of ourselves we can then help ourselves support be supported through anything across especially with the teenagers through exams and also as a parent to support yourself through that stress too because it's not only your child that is obviously going to be stressed through this of course you are too so if you can both take something from this where you're understanding yourself building that bigger picture of yourselves and to understand that there's that and i'm sure you've spoken about it on other episodes there's that element of codependency when it comes to exams or any relationships where you need to be able to have that separate feeling your child your teenager needs to have a feeling of their own and be left to feel the feels and if you can help support them do that by help teaching them you've got your own identity with your own hormones your own exercise routine your own thing then one day they're going to then go off and be able to be a healthy adult and I wasn't taught those things so when it came to my dad passing away and I had no parent and suddenly at 23 I'm here like I'm a big child with no parents and nothing I didn't know what to do because no one had ever taught me these things so and that's why I'm very passionate about talking about it. And even though I don't have children of my own, I, ha I was a teenager once who would have loved to have heard all of this. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. It's, it's something we talk a lot about with our members. So we have a membership. We support parents when their children are doing their GCSEs or their A-levels. So through like year 10 through to year 13. And a lot of it is about the practical stuff. It's the passing the exams. It's the study skills. It's that kind of you know, planning ahead for university applications and stuff. But over the summer in particular, because this all started when exams were cancelled in 2020 and we were like, well, mm -hmm. how, what do we do now to help our members? It's not just about that stuff. It's about helping your child become the adult that they're going to be. It's he about helping them become more independent. So we've covered things like you know, budgeting and uh, how credit cards work, because that's quite important. Yes. <laughs> yes. It does not get covered enough in schools. And as a maths teacher, I can tell you, there's just there wasn't any time. And, um, you know, things like the, the key first aid bits and bobs that make a difference. There's all sorts of little things that you can do to support your teenager in, in getting that that feeling of having their own independence, being their own person. And, and you're right, it's, it's a key part of that time of their life. And it's really difficult to manage. And, and there's no handbook when you're a parent. So no, exactly. you, kind of, you make it up as you go along, which is partly why we're here doing this stuff and, and talking with experts like you about all the different things so that parents have a place to go to to say look I'm not sure how to deal with this I'm not sure how to help my child with this yeah there's a place I can go and find some answers because they give you all the support when they're toddlers and babies there's all sorts of mums and toddlers <laughs> yeah. groups and what have you and books how to cope there with needs to be a mum and teenagers group yeah, but, <laughs> get to five years old and it's, it stops they seem to yeah it's off you, you know go you must doing. know what you're doing now yeah, yeah and I think yeah. that's the thing no one realizes that the biggest thing I've always thought about is how teenagers are often still thought of as just teenagers but they're people that mm. they're, they're they're entirely people with their own things going on their own lives their own drama their own hormones and even the fact that if we look at it I mean I know that on one of your other podcasts, you spoke about that prefrontal cortex not being fully formed and your amygdala is where your fight and your flight mode come from. And we need to be aware that half the time there is very little rationale going on. So, but at the same time, 
they've got to be heard and they've got to be helped to feel validated and again you can do that through sport in a very healthy way in that way like i said where you can work through those difficult feelings and when it, it and again if you have a child that does like competition or you do things like that you that also deals with understanding how to process loss so if you if you if we, again using boxing as an example if you go down that route and you lose a fight how do you process loss do you just walk away from thing you 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 can help your child understand that these things are things that build our character and help us understand stuff so i think yeah when it comes to exercise and using that as therapy and teaching ourselves how to be more present in our bodies and using that as a kind of moving meditation as opposed to that 90s fad diet rhetoric <laughs> we can uh, make it something new <laughs> awesome well i think oh, i'm just gonna oh, there's a new question that's pinged up i've had to move the thing down the screen so that i can see that's okay i think i can see it um oh so yeah we um i think we'll uh, we'll pop in the comments yeah uh, talking about the anxiety and feeling productive and how that links to the hormone cycle yes i'll write something up for you yeah that would be awesome and and as we said we're going to try and put something together in terms of a podcast episode on it because mm. you know, whether you're a mum listening because I, I know we get some dads but we also know the majority of you are mums um we whether you're a mum and dealing with the hormones yourself or whether you've got a teenage daughter it's quite important to know what's going on just so you know why they're yes. <laughs> shouting and wanting to throw things and slam doors and what have you because it's it's just that time and they can't there's no other way to express it and yeah yeah that would be really and also helpful. that's how in terms of when it comes to exercise that's often as well how i design my exercise routine so certain weeks of the month will be boxing and weightlifting other weeks will be yoga and sitting very still so there's all of these elements and I think when you can team that together and don't get me wrong I also um was on antidepressants for five years and I've used medication to help and I currently I'm on no antidepressants but I use beta blockers um propranolol to support that reduction in adrenaline to help me cope on those days and I think when you can team like I said, with the exercise, with the revision, with understanding that kind of schedule, giving your teenage daughter that autonomy over their own understanding over their own body is an incredibly powerful tool. And like you said, to know why they're then losing their mind. <laughs> Nearly, I was like, can well I swear? Well no, losing their mind. <laughs> yes. Um, I think there is something very powerful about being able to help your child, whether hormones aside, whether it is whether you've got a teenage son or a teenage daughter, if I had somebody sit me down when I was younger and say, by the way, you're feeling all of this because your anxiety is bad, your adrenaline is running crazy, your this is happening, rather than you are a problem. Hmm. And often even the adults don't have the vocabulary because we've also not been taught. Yeah. So I think, yeah, if you can, even something as a learning exercise with your teenager, where you go, do you know what? I want to learn a bit more about myself. So I'm going to show you about me. And then you can see how your cycle works and we can do this together kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Well, I definitely need yeah. that episode booking in. I think there's just too much, too much stuff. <laughs> too much I mean, I, I love yeah. the, the title of exercise as therapy, but people will look at that title and, and it won't necessarily resonate with them because... Whereas if we're talking specifically about hormones and well, yeah. maybe particularly girls and hormones, uh, that's a whole different title, which I think, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's something that needs to be addressed. So. Yeah. I was right at yeah. the beginning, though. We did cover quite a lot of different, <laughs> slightly yeah. random topics. But I think, <laughs> I think there's been a lot of 
of wisdom in there for mm. parents, a lot of useful tips, kind of practical stuff that people can do with their kids. And I know that's uh, that's what people tune in for. It's not just let's hear about, you know, the theory behind it. It's the, the practical, that's how can cool. I make a difference as well? And you've definitely given them lots of really useful stuff there. So a massive thank, thank you. you. Thank you very um, much. If people want to track you down and kind of find out more about you and things, where can they do that? So it's very nice and simple. It's literally just at Elspeth Fit on both Instagram and TikTok. Elspeth is E-L-S-P-E-T-H, but I'm sure we can write it down somewhere. But um, yeah, if anybody wants to know any more about that or or even just ask about, I've got quite a few contacts in a variety of areas. So if anybody wants to know about how to get their kids into whatever sport, whether it's boxing, hockey, weightlifting, yoga, all kinds of things. So feel free to drop me a message and ask me and I will more than happily help amazing Fabulous. thank, thank you, you so much so much for your time thank you it's great to chat awesome and very much appreciated thank you thanks for listening to the parent guide to education podcast please favorite or follow us on your preferred podcast app to ensure you get notified as each episode is released we'd also be grateful if you could leave us a great review or rating see you on the next episode